Problem Area Report, Pain by Sid Sharma. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Problem Area Report, Pain, published by Sid Sharma on the Effective Altruism Forum. Write a review. Authors, Sid Sharma, Claire Donaldson, Michael Plant 1, 2. This is a cross-post from the Happier Lives Institute. Executive Summary. We all expect to experience some pain in our lives. For most of us, especially those in high-income countries, these experiences will be mild, bearable, and short. Others are not so fortunate. Millions suffer excruciating pain. Millions more suffer moderate or severe pain. They suffer despite the fact that cheap and effective treatments exist. This report briefly discusses the measurement of pain then explores three major causes of pain and what might be done to relieve them. The findings are relevant for individuals and organizations considering if and how to put their resources, i.e. their money and or time, towards this global problem. Problem 1, terminal conditions requiring access to opioids. First, we consider pain from terminal conditions such as advanced cancer and HIV-3, these cause intense suffering if untreated. If carefully treated with opioids for, 95% of those with severe or moderate pain report mild or no pain and quality of life greatly improves. In high-income countries, high seas, some 98% of this need for opioids is met. This figure falls to 5% in low- and middle-income countries, LMICs. Cost is not the main barrier, however, a course of 90 days opioids is as little as $8. This access abyss stems from an overestimate of the risks from opioids and a focus on life-extending treatment, Nall et al., 2017a. The specific issues include Restrictive regulation designed to stop the misuse of opioids a lack of training and awareness among health professionals, and fragile supply chains. We discuss how organizations taking a multi-pronged approach have succeeded in improving access in India and Uganda. Problem 2, Headache Disorders. Second, we examine two headache disorders, migraines and cluster headaches. The former are common, affecting around 1 in 6 people, and sometimes debilitating. They impose a burden of disease roughly comparable with malaria or depression 5, the latter are agonizing and experienced by 0.1 to 0.2% of the global population. Inexpensive relief exists for migraines such as aspirin, triptans, and propranolol. The main barriers appear to be patients do not seek help, and if they do, they are often misdiagnosed by doctors who generally receive little training about these conditions. Education campaigns for physicians, patients, and policymakers seem to be the order of the day. Temporary relief exists for cluster headaches in oxygen and triptans, while preventative agents can be used to reduce the frequency of headaches. Like migraines, patients are often misdiagnosed and receive the wrong treatment. Yet, even with access to the right treatments, many people with cluster headaches endure a great deal of suffering. In addition to education campaigns, possible solutions include increasing access to proven treatments for people in low-resource settings or expediting the development of, and access to, novel therapies, such as psychedelics. Problem 3, low back pain. The third and final issue assessed is low back pain. This is the leading cause of years lived with disability globally. Little is known about what causes low back pain or how to treat it. Efforts to increase access to existing treatments are therefore unpromising. However, there may be a high value of information in medical research into the nature of an intervention for this problem. Conclusions and Limitations our report closes with suggestions for further research and identifies some promising career and donation opportunities. We have not been able to thoroughly evaluate the best ways to make progress within this problem area, so these suggestions should be considered highly preliminary. 
However, donating to the Walter Center for Global Palliative Care and Supportive Oncology may be an effective way to improve opioid policy and availability in LMICs. Regarding careers, working as a grantmaker at a foundation that funds medical research and impact evaluations is one standout option. We have not attempted to compare interventions in this area against other options for doing the most good six, nevertheless, we hope this document, which draws together and pushes forward our understanding of the problem, can act as a springboard for further investigation, either by ourselves or others. Our conclusion is optimistic, although pain causes substantial suffering for millions of people, solutions are closer to hand than we might have expected. 1. Introduction This problem area report investigates one of the most obvious and arresting problems of all, pain. The purpose of this report is to take a broad but fairly shallow look at the issue with a view to working out what can be done about it. Its purpose is not to reach considered conclusions about what the best actions in this area are, that is a matter for further work. This research is part of the broader mission of the Happier Lives Institute to find and share the most cost-effective methods for increasing global well-being. We expect this report to be most relevant to individuals looking for high-impact careers related to pain or global health, philanthropists and grant-makers looking for new, high-impact donation opportunities, researchers looking for important problems to work on, and campaigners and policymakers who could use their platform to advocate for pain-related issues. After a brief review of pain-related problems, we chose to focus on three sub-areas in this report for the following reasons. Terminal conditions requiring access to opioids in low- and middle-income countries, LMICs, dash due to the large inequity and unmet need. Headache disorders, due to the large burden of disease, migraines, and severe intensity of pain, cluster headaches. Low back pain, due to the large burden of disease. We considered investigating other pain-related problems, but decided not to. Kidney stones and trigeminal neuralgia, although very painful conditions, they are not as painful as cluster headaches or as common as advanced cancer. Neck pain and pelvic pain, although the burden is large, it is at least three times smaller than the burden of low back pain. This report expands the nascent work to date on how individuals and organizations might best try to reduce the global burden of pain 7, it proceeds as follows. Section 2 discusses the measurement of pain and the challenges of comparing the intensity and overall scale of different sources of pain. Sections 3 to 5 take one major cause of pain in turn, terminal conditions requiring access to opioids, headache disorders, and lower back pain, respectively. Section 6 outlines further research and Section 7 makes some suggestions for what can be done to reduce worldwide pain. Section 7 makes concluding remarks. We consider this report to be shallow in depth. Approximately 150 hours was spent on the review. The number of conditions we studied that fall within the category of pain is limited and we do not quantitatively analyze the cost-effectiveness of interventions. 2. Characteristics and scale of the three conditions. In the following subsections, we explore some of the metrics that characterize pain for the conditions we investigate in this report. We then make very rough estimates of the global scale of each. Our aims are threefold. Firstly, to provide an overview of the relative intensity of the pain of these conditions. Secondly, to explore the quantitative information available that could enable us to estimate the effect on well-being from pain, both to an individual and globally, although we do not make any firm conclusions. Finally, to indicate the scale of these problems in terms of disability-adjusted life years, DAO-wise, which are readily comparable to other global health burdens. We would prefer to use well-being-adjusted life years, WellBoise, Fridgers et al., 2028, but estimating these was out of the scope of this report. 2.1 Measuring the Intensity of Pain First, we consider the intensity of pain, how it feels as it is being experienced. 
Pain is commonly assessed in a healthcare setting using a numerical rating scale. Patients are often asked to verbally rate their pain between 0 and 10, or given a visual analog scale to grade the intensity of their pain on a 100mm line with reference points, Karshiklu et al., 2018. More complex scales delineate a detailed description, such as the McGill Pain Questionnaire and the Brief Pain Inventory, Melzak, 1975, Cleland and Ryan, 1994. As far as we know, very few studies directly compare intensities of pain amongst various conditions 9, to indicate to the reader the relative badness of different conditions 10, we approximate the intensity of pain on a 0 to 10 pain scale. We take studies using a variety of pain scales, assign intervals to categorical scales where necessary, rescale to 0 to 10, and average the results. We also provide estimates, constructed in the same manner, of the average resulting pain level when recommended treatments are administered. Results are displayed in Figure 1 in the full details given in, Appendix 1. We intend for these rough results to be interpreted only as an illustration of the relative intensity of pain for these conditions 11. Figure 1, Estimated Pain Intensities. Estimates were derived from available literature that assessed pain intensities prior to treatment using pain scales. Where necessary, categorical scales were assigned to intervals and all estimates were rescaled to a 0 to 10 scale. Treatment effects were estimated based on available systematic reviews and randomized controlled trials that utilized pain scales. Full details are given in, Appendix 1. 2.2 Pain and Subjective Well-Being. Of course, the effect of pain on well-being does not only depend on its intensity but also on its frequency, duration, regularity, associated symptoms, and impact on functioning and mental health, Farrell, 1995. Ideally, we would like to know the impact of pain on measures of subjective well-being, self-reports of happiness and life satisfaction, so that we can compare the impact of pain to other life events and circumstances. 12. Subjective well-being may capture more information about the effect of pain on someone's overall quality of life than health-focused metrics. A report by the Happiness Research Institute, HRI, studied the effect of being in mild, moderate, or severe pain on life satisfaction from a European panel dataset of over 45s, HRI, 2020. HRI estimates that a change from experiencing mild to severe pain, on a four-point scale, none, mild, moderate, severe pain, is associated with a drop in the average life satisfaction of respondents of one point, on a 0 to 10 scale, whilst controlling for other variables. For comparison, the same report estimates that average life satisfaction is 0.6 points lower for those in debt or who are unemployed, and 1.3 points lower for people with depression, HRI, 2020, P50. We expect that this research does not capture the severity of pain from cluster headaches or from terminal illnesses without pain relief, given the rarity of these circumstances in the studied European population. McNamee and Mendolia, 2014, using an Australian panel dataset and a fixed effects model, accounting for individual unobserved characteristics, estimate that being in chronic pain results in a decrease in life satisfaction of 0.1 points, on a 0 to 10 scale. They do not describe the typical severity of the chronic pain of the sample. Migraines are related to a minus 0.11 to minus 0.25 drop in life satisfaction, Brut and Van Den Brink, 2004. In a Chinese sample, people with cluster headaches report the quality of their life on a 1 to 5 scale, with 1 as bad and 5 as good, as 2.38, standard error equals 0.81, while people with migraines report 3.22, 0.67, Table 5, Dong et al., 2013. A more thorough review of the available literature was outside the scope of this report. 2.3 Scale of the Problem in Disability Adjusted Life Years We next turn to the effect of pain on disability weights, 
Used to construct disability adjusted life years, Dowdwise 13, disability weights indicate the quality of someone's overall health state from zero, full health, to one, death. They provide another means with which to compare the relative severity of the conditions in this report. Our primary motivation, however, is that using Dowdwise allows us to roughly compare the scale of the conditions to other problems in the global burden of disease. In Table 1, we provide the disability weights and corresponding descriptions of the health state for a range of relevant conditions 14. Advanced cancer has a high weight at about 0.5, migraines are slightly lower at 0.44, our generated weight 15, for cluster headaches is the highest at 0.66, and low back pain is the lowest, varying between 0.02 for mild pain to 0.32 when the pain is severe and extends to the legs as well. There is also a seemingly strange result, the disability weights for terminal cancer patients with versus without pain relief are implausibly similar, 0.569 versus 0.540, implying that cancer without pain relief is barely worse. This is especially odd considering that multiple randomized controlled trials have captured the significant effect opioids have on pain, see Wiffen et al., 2017 and, Appendix 1. Table 1, Description of Health States and Corresponding Disability Weights. Derived using paired comparison questions, Salomon et al., 2015. Note cluster headaches DW footnote is actually 15, not 12 as indicated in the table. Next, we estimate the scale of each subarea of the problem in Dow-Wise. We retrieve data for migraines and low back pain directly from the Global Burden of Diseases online database. To estimate the burden from cluster headaches we made crude back-of-the-envelope estimates described in full in, Appendix 2. In brief, we use Dow-Wise for migraines, and adjusted for the relative prevalence with cluster headaches, 0.1% to 14%, Ecom et al., 2006, Leonin May, 2020, Stovner et al., 2018, naively assuming that those with migraines and cluster headaches each suffer for the same duration, on average, over a given time period. The results are displayed in Figure 2 alongside the burden from depression and malaria to facilitate comparison 16. Figure 2, Global Burden of Pain-Related Disorders and Depression in Disability-Adjusted Life Years, Dalwise. Note that we derived an estimate for disability weight for cluster headaches, see Appendix, 2, for details. Figure 2 shows the huge disease burden from low back pain and migraines, discussed further below, which are each roughly comparable in scale to depression and malaria. A few things are worth noting. First, the Dalwise from cluster headaches are roughly two orders of magnitude smaller than the other issues referenced. Second, Moral views which give additional weight to more extreme forms of suffering will conclude the moral importance of cluster headaches is relatively more important than the daily total indicates. Third, the size of different problems does not, by itself, tell us which will be the most cost-effective to work on. Assessing cost-effectiveness is a further issue and outside the scope of this report. Estimating the number of DALYs for terminal conditions requiring opioids is trickier. The seminal paper of the Lancet Commission on Global Access to Palliative Care and Pain Relief, LC, Nall et al., 2017a, has been the largest effort to quantify the burden of health-related suffering associated with a need for palliative care and pain relief. Using their derived figures for serious health-related suffering, 17, we can make crude estimates of Dalwise 18, 19, the LC analyzed the 20 health conditions that cause most of the burden of serious health-related suffering. Their total estimate is between 6 and 21 billion days, depending on how symptoms are delineated. As a rough lower bound, we take the proportion of serious health-related suffering caused by moderate severe pain, 6%. Other causes include fatigue, weakness, and depression, on the basis that this would be highly treatable with opioids. 
applying the disability weight for terminal cancer, 0.57, although noting that cancer is only one of the associated conditions, produces 0.56 million DAL-wise for moderate or severe pain during life-threatening and life-limiting conditions, for which opioids would be likely indicated. Opioids could also help treat mild pain and shortness of breath. Including these symptoms, and using the same disability weight, noting this is likely an upper bound, the numbers rise to 2.72 million DAL-wise, see, Appendix 2, for full details. It is also worth noting that opioids are an essential medicine outside of palliative care. The Lancet Commission on Global Access to Palliative Care and Pain Relief, LC, estimated the total need of opioids, including operative and traumatic settings, to be approximately seven times that which is needed for palliative care, Nal et al., 2017a. Our discussion now turns to three possibilities for pain relief, terminal conditions requiring access to opioids, headache disorders, and low back pain, respectively. 3. Terminal conditions requiring access to opioids. 3.1 The problem. Individuals with life-limiting conditions such as cancer and HIV often experience excruciating pain that is most pronounced towards the end of their lives, Portenoy and Lesage, 1999, Spencer et al., 2019. Cancer causes pain through several mechanisms. A tumor can invade surrounding tissues such as bones, muscles, nerves, and organs, and or infiltrate and obstruct hollow organs. Treatment can also be a major source of pain, occurring through nerve injury post-surgery or as a side effect of chemotherapy. People with HIV typically experience lower limb bone pain, headaches and nerve-related pain for reasons that are not well understood, Perry et al., 2013. If not controlled adequately, pain can affect other facets of well-being restricting one's mobility, functionality, and causing significant psychological distress. The pain can be so severe that suicidal thoughts are expressed when pain relief is not available. See Box 1. At least 7 million people experience moderate to severe cancer-related pain a year, with 75% residing in low- and middle-income countries, Nal et al., 2017a. The incidence will only rise in the future as deaths from communicable diseases fall, with experts forecasting that by 2060 more than double the number of cancer patients will die every year with serious health-related suffering, Sleeman et al., 2019. Another 4 million people currently living with HIV are estimated to experience moderate to severe pain, also warranting the need for opioids, Nal et al., 2017a. Cancer and HIV cause over 700 million serious health-related suffering moderate to severe pain days, and are responsible for approximately 90% of total serious health-related suffering moderate to severe pain days, based on figure 7 in the LC report, Nal et al., 2017a. See here to access links. Palliative care refers to treatment that aims to alleviate suffering and maintain quality of life, as opposed to curing the condition that causes the suffering, Clark, 2007. Opioids are an essential, and arguably the most important, instrument 20, in the palliative care toolkit, helping control moderate to severe pain, Portenoy and Lesage, 1999, and other aspects of serious health-related suffering such as shortness of breath, Pfeiffer, 2011-21, despite the high incidence of side effects 22, Experienced by users, opioids are considered the most reliable and effective analgesic currently known to the medical profession. A Cochrane review concluded that 19 out of 20 people with moderate to severe cancer-related pain had their pain reduced to mild or no pain with the careful adjustment of the dose to control pain, Wiffen et al., 2017. Further, a review of oral morphine demonstrated that more than 6 out of 10 patients were very satisfied with their morphine treatment, with only 1 out of 20 stopping their morphine, primarily because of side effects, Wiffen, We, and more, 2016. Because of these properties, combined with its affordability, 
the World Health Organization lists opioids as an essential medicine, WHO, 2019. In many parts of the world it is difficult or virtually impossible to access opioids in palliative care. LC estimated the unmet opioid need by comparing the burden of pain and shortness of breath requiring opioids to what was actually available in countries, Nal et al., 2017a. They determined that less than 5% of opioid need for serious health-related suffering is met in LMICs, which is substantially lower than the 98% that is met in high Cs 23, this is displayed in figure 324, as previously noted, opioids are also needed outside of serious health-related suffering, such as for pain post-surgery and acute traumatic injuries, when this is included, less than 1% of opioid need is met, Nall et al., 2017A25. Figure 3, Estimates of Met Opioid Need in Palliative Care. Grouped by World Bank Income Group. Diagram adapted from Nall et al., 2017a. See footnote 23 for further information about how Nall et al. derived estimates. 3.2 Barriers to Progress. The price of morphine itself is not the main barrier. At the lowest international price, morphine costs US $8 per patient for 3 months, at $0.011 per milligram this provides enough morphine to last 90 days of moderate to severe pain, MSH, 2015. To meet the global shortfall, LC estimated that it would cost $145 million a year, only 0.009% expenditure of the health budgets of LMICs, Nall et al., 2017a. Instead, untreated moderate to severe pain, and other serious health-related suffering, exists because of a complex and interrelated array of barriers, which we summarize below as, 1. Laws and regulations, 2. Education of health professionals, and, 3. Supply chains. This is displayed below in Figure 4. Figure 4, Primary Barriers to Opioid Consumption for Serious Health-Related Suffering. Discussed in more detail under the heading Barriers to Progress. All three barriers need to be addressed to effectively and sustainably improve opioid consumption for serious health-related suffering. Laws and Regulations. Unbalanced laws and regulations have evolved from the world's effort to prevent the illicit production and consumption of narcotics, clearly, Gelband and Wagner, 2015, Nall et al., 2017a. Since an international treaty, the Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs, was adopted by UN member states in 1961 to prevent opioid misuse and ensure access for medical purposes, countries have closely regulated and monitored opioid availability to minimize the risk of diversion and illicit use, INCB, 2015. The International Narcotics Control Board, INCB, was founded in 1968, not long after the signing of the single convention was established, to monitor and assist countries to fulfill the goals of the treaty, MESIC, 2014. However, their model policies were considered ill-suited for resource-poor settings with weak healthcare systems and poor administrative capacity, and did not give due consideration to the availability of opioids for serious health-related suffering. For example, early on the INCB used number of doctors per capita as a guide to ascertain appropriate levels of opioid consumption, and recommended countries apply trade embargoes on countries that produced or imported more opioids than the level they set, MESIC, 2014. Naturally, this method forced LMICs with fewer doctors per capita to underreport their requirements. Combined with the rhetoric that surfaced surrounding the widespread fears about opioids, the increased international emphasis on opioid control led to many jurisdictions implementing laws and regulations that were deemed excessive in retrospect. The INCB has since admitted they have unfairly emphasized the risk of opioid misuse to the detriment of availability of opioids for medical purposes, clearly in Maurer, 2018. 
They now are actively involved in helping delineate and address the global barriers to opioid consumption for medical purposes and strongly advise countries to create favorable environments that facilitate access to pain relief. Examples of the administrative hurdles and disincentives that health professionals face include, Cleary et al., 2013, INCB, 2015, Fraser et al., 2017-26. Physicians require special licenses to be able to prescribe opioids. Most high seas grant all doctors with prescribing rights the ability to prescribe opioids. Patients must be formally registered to receive opioids. Prescriptions must be written on a particular script paper, which in some countries is difficult to source. In Mexico, authority script pads were unavailable outside large cities until 2015. A provider can only issue opioids for a short time period, a limit of two days in some countries, before a patient must come back to attain another script. The examples above relate to prescribing, but strict regulations also curtail the activity of pharmacies, hospitals, and producers. For example, the 1985 Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances, NDPS, Act in India resulted in hospitals requiring three or four licenses, depending on the state, to supply morphine, Rajagopal and Jaransan, 2007. The validity of one license would frequently expire by the time a hospital would acquire another, rendering it nearly impossible to stock and dispense morphine. As evidence of the impact of these restrictions, the consumption of morphine in India fell by 97% from 716 kg in 1985 to 18 kg in 1997 after the NDPS Act was adopted, Rajagopal, Jaransan, and Gibson, 2001. In aggregate, these regulations can have a significant influence on clinical practice and opioid availability, particularly in low-resource settings. See here to access links in box. Education of Health Professionals after sustained advocacy from local and international organizations, some LMICs have eased their overly restrictive regulations to facilitate opioid consumption to treat serious health-related suffering, INCB, 2015, Rajagopal, 2015, Ria al., 2018. However, decades of restrictions have created an environment in which health professionals do not feel comfortable prescribing opioids, partly because of the fear of abuse, but also because of their unfamiliarity with the properties of opioids, Nall et al., 2017a, Clearly, Gelband, and Wagner, 2015. When the INCB interviewed government officials about the major barriers to opioid access in their respective countries, the most common impediments reported were a lack of training and awareness amongst health professionals, followed by a fear of addiction and limited resources, INCB, 2015. A Nigerian study found that 90% of teaching hospital physicians had received no formal training on opioids for pain management, with only 50% reporting they would consider prescribing opioids for severe cancer pain, Ogbalin Wazir, Makama, and Yusufu, 2013. Palliative care is yet to be integrated into the National Undergraduate Medical Curriculum for Doctors and Nurses in India, Rajagopal 2015, Rajagopal and Jaransan, 2007. Supply Chains Low prescription rates combined with security costs, small profit margins for the sale of opioids, and fragile supply chains have meant few hospitals and pharmacies stock opioids in LMICs. Resources are required to store morphine safely, such as a locked safe box secured to a wall, given the risk of opioid diversion, Nall et al., 2017a. The low price of morphine proves a double-edged sword, as dispensaries have little financial incentive to sell morphine, clearly in Maurer, 2018. Similarly, the high security costs and lack of profitability dissuades local manufacturers from producing morphine, forcing many countries into importation. 
LMICs generally don't have the resources and governance to maintain efficient supply chains, which is only exacerbated by onerous regulatory and reporting requirements that are required for importation. Ria al. 2017. Clearly and Maurer. 2018. Altogether, there is a high chance someone with a prescription for morphine in LMICs would not be able to find somewhere in their vicinity to provide them with morphine. Of 120 health facilities in Kenya and Uganda, only 7% dispensed morphine, Fraser et al., 2017. Of those with stock, it was more common to run out of morphine than to throw away expired morphine. 3.3 How can we improve opioid availability? Improving the availability of opioids for serious health-related suffering in LMICs therefore requires a multifaceted, context-specific solution that incorporates measures to safeguard against the risk of opioid diversion and dependence. Despite the task appearing difficult, many LMICs have made considerable progress in addressing these barriers, clearly, Gelband and Wagner, 2015, Nal et al., 2017a. Some of the most notable success stories are from India and Uganda. Case study, the Pain and Palliative Care Society, India, now Pallium India. Only two clinics stocked oral morphine in 1993 in the state of Kerala in India because of the barriers mentioned above. At the time, local leaders established the Pain and Palliative Care Society, an outpatient palliative care clinic based at a government-funded hospital, Rajagopal, 2015. They primarily operated on voluntary community support and donations from local and international actors. Within months, the clinic was seeing more patients than their capacity allowed, spurring them to expand their services. By 1998 they had established 20 satellite centers across northern Kerala that were managed by local volunteer groups with doctors consulting when required, Vijay and Monan, 2018. During this period, the Pain and Palliative Care Society recognized the difficulties patients had in accessing morphine. With help from the Pain and Policy Studies Group, now the Walter Center for Global Palliative Care and Supportive Oncology, based in Madison, Wisconsin, they analyzed the NDPS Act, as discussed above, and proposed simpler regulations and laws, Rajagopal, 2015. After sustained advocacy, in 1998 the government of India endorsed their recommendations, and urged state governments to do the same. The states of Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Karnataka, New Delhi, and others made changes to their regulations. While significant improvements in opioid access were seen in Kerala, further information below, Rajagopal, 2015, states that some states showed a modest improvement and the change in most other states was minimal. Experts we spoke to emphasized that all three sides of the barriers triangle, figure 4, need to be tackled concurrently. It is not enough to just change regulations. Based on this, the success in Kerala is, at least in part, because of the increased demand for opioids resulting from the engagement with local people on the ground. There have since been many further developments including, Rajagopal, 2015, Vijay and Monan, 2018. The formation of Pallium India, a not-for-profit that has carried on the work of the Pain and Palliative Care Society. The integration of palliative care within existing healthcare infrastructure in Kerala resulted in the deployment of government-funded palliative care nurses at 900 community clinics. Delivery of a palliative care educational course across India to health professionals and community volunteers. The number of institutions stocking morphine and the availability of morphine per capita have increased significantly in Kerala. As of 2014. 170 institutions stock oral morphine, compared to two in 1993, Rajagopal, 2015. 1.426 mg of morphine equivalent, me, is available per capita, an order of magnitude higher than India's availability of 0.11 mg me per capita, Rajagopal, Karim, and Booth, 2016. However, 
it still remains well below the estimated opioid need to alleviate serious health-related suffering, Nal et al., 2017-A27. Notably, India's success has transpired without demonstrable evidence of opioid diversion. In an attempt to identify accounts of opioid diversion, Rajagopal and colleagues, 2001, closely monitored the oral morphine procured, the stock held, and dispensed at a clinic in Kerala over a two-year period and found no discrepancies in stock quantities that suggested instances of opioid diversion. Case study, Hospice Africa Uganda. An increase in Uganda's opioid availability was catalyzed by similar work by Hospice Africa Uganda, HAU, Merriman and Harding, 2010. Founded in 1993, HAU began by providing in-home palliative care services to those that needed it most. From the beginning, Howe built a strong relationship with Uganda's Ministry of Health, after recognizing the importance of attaining the government support to address the systemic barriers to palliative care, Fraser et al., 2017. Howe convinced the Ministry of Health to import morphine powder in September 1993, which they were able to effectively convert into oral morphine. After demonstrating the benefit that palliative care and opioids brought to patients with life-limiting illnesses, the government continued to support how, allowing them to expand their services across Uganda, Merriman and Harding, 2010. They also listed morphine as an essential medicine, making it available to patients with cancer-related pain at no cost. Another major breakthrough came in 2004, when the Ministry of Health approved legislation allowing nurses who had undergone nine months of palliative care training with how to prescribe oral morphine, Clark et al., 2007. An apparent rise in opioid availability reflects their success, having increased by 35% between 2001 and 2013-28, which is significant when considering that Africa's availability reportedly fell by 18% 29, during that same time period, INCB, 2015. Other examples. Other LMICs have had similar successes, including Vietnam, Serbia, Mexico, Kenya and Jamaica, Providing more evidence of tractability, Nall et al., 2017a, Cleary, Gelband, and Wagner, 2015, Cleary and Maurer, 2018, Hadil, Lyons and Payne et al., 2017. Still, even these countries remain substantially short of facilitating widespread access. In summary, factors on both the supply and demand sides need to be addressed, reducing onerous regulations, educating health professionals, expanding palliative care services, raising general awareness, and broadening the types of caregivers who can prescribe opioids. This complex array of solutions adds to the cost of attempts to improve access to opioids. A range of non-profits are actively trying to improve access to pain relief and palliative care in LMICs. We provide a brief description of their efforts and accomplishments below. Cost-effectiveness analyses are beyond the scope of this report. We expect any cost-effectiveness analyses would be fairly uncertain, given the limited data currently available and the difficulties of causal attribution with policy changes. Nevertheless, it is something we wish to see in the future, drawing on the methods proposed by Founders Pledge and GiveWell, if only to make assumptions explicit. Table 2, a sample of the leading non-profits helping to improve access to pain relief and palliative care. See here to access links in table. 4. Headache disorders. Headache disorders make up a large portion of the global burden of disease. 47 million disability-adjusted life years, DAL-wise, are lost to headache disorders each year, more than any other neurological disorder, and comparable to malaria, 46 million DAL-wise, and depression, 47 million DAL-wise, Global Burden of Diseases Online Database. The most common forms of headache disorders are migraines, tension-type headaches, and medication overuse headache, Steiner and Stovner, 2019-30, they vary significantly in severity both between and within the various causes. 
At one end of the spectrum are tension headaches, often considered a minor annoyance that the majority of the population has had to endure. At the most extreme end are cluster headaches, frequently referred to as suicide headaches, Rosen and Fishman, 2012, Butcher et al., 2020. In this section, we explore migraines as they constitute the majority of Dow Ys attributed to headache disorders, and cluster headaches because of the degree of pain and suffering they inflict upon an individual. 4.1 Migraines. Migraines are common, disabling, and recurring headaches affecting up to 14% of the population, Stovner et al., 2018. They are characterized by unilateral, pulsating, moderate to severe headaches that are typically associated with intense nausea and a heightened sensitivity to light and sound, lasting between 4 to 72 hours, Charles, 2013. Some experience an aura before or during their migraine, which are transient neurological disturbances commonly manifesting as visual disturbances such as flashing lights or zigzag lines, or sensory disturbances such as numbness and tingling in a hand, lips or tongue. It is also common to feel fatigued, low in mood, and find it hard to concentrate before the onset and the completion of a migraine. Together these symptoms can be debilitating, making it impossible to work or lead a normal life, particularly for those without access to effective treatments, Steiner et al., 2018, Ditra et al., 2002. This is made worse by the general population's lack of awareness surrounding the severity of headache disorders leading to stigma and unrealistic societal expectations, for example that individuals with an acute migraine should be able to carry out their normal tasks, Steiner and Stovner, 2019. Migraines are the second leading cause of years lived with disability after low back pain, global burden of disease visualization, and estimated to cost the European Union over $100 billion each year, driven largely by its negative effects on productivity, Lind et al., 2012. Scientists are still uncertain about the biological basis of migraines. The leading hypothesis is that neurons activate spontaneously in a self-propagating wave across the brain, triggering the activation of the trigeminal nerve, the nerve responsible for transmitting pain signals to the brain from facial structures, Noseda and Burstein, 2013. Despite not knowing exactly how migraines evolve, effective treatments to abort and prevent migraine are available. Cox inhibitors like aspirin and anuprofen effectively terminate 1 in 2 people's migraines, Kirti, Derry, and Moore, 2013, Robbie, Derry, and Moore, 2013. 60% of people who take the more expensive triptans are pain-free within 2 hours, Derry, Derry, and Moore, 2014-31, side effects are reasonably common with triptans, particularly when administered under the skin, in an RCT, the intervention arm was twice as likely to report an adverse effect. Effects are of a mild to moderate severity. Common side effects include chest tightness, vomiting, and local injection site reactions, law, dairy, and more, 2013. Other acute treatments are also available for the migraines that are particularly severe, at times combining the use of two agents, NICE, 2012. Preventative agents are effective as well, with propranolol and topiramate reducing the monthly frequency of migraine by over 50%, Lyndon Rossnagel, 2004, Salisbury Offshore, 2014. Such medications allow patients, particularly those with severe migraine disorders, to control their migraines and substantially reduce the effect it has on their lives. Misdiagnosis and poor quality care appear to be the primary barriers from a population health perspective. In a survey conducted in collaboration with the WHO, experts estimated that only 40% of individuals who suffered from migraines received a professional diagnosis worldwide, and this figure is 13% in low-income countries, WHO, 2011. They believe the reasons for this are twofold. People with headaches do not seek help, 
Only 15-25% of those with probable migraine sought care from a health professional across Europe according to the Eurolight survey, Katsurava et al., 2018. The general public do not recognize the seriousness and treatability of migraines, incorrectly attributing it to psychological factors and stress, Steiner and Stovner, 2019. Health professionals are misdiagnosing, lack of education of health professionals was the most commonly reported barrier by experts, WHO, 2011. On average, fewer than five hours of training are utilized to instruct about headache disorders across medical schools, WHO, 2011. Even if patients do receive a diagnosis, it appears unlikely that they would receive the correct treatment. The Eurolight survey discovered the majority of those who would benefit from preventive agents, i.e. having more than five migraines a month, were not taking a preventative agent, Kazarva et al., 2018. However, it was not clear how many of those chose not to take preventative agents due to contraindications or personal reasons. The survey also found some reluctance by GPs and specialists to prescribe triptans. It appears then that the best way to reduce the burden of migraines is through education, of the public, health professionals, and key decision makers. In an attempt to accomplish this, lifting the burden, LTB, dash an international not-for-profit, launched the global campaign against headaches in 2004, Steiner et al., 2010. Over the last two decades they have conducted epidemiological research in an attempt to convince governments to allocate resources to this cause, Steiner and Stovner, 2019, Steiner et al., 2010. In 2015, they modeled multiple interventions to reduce the burden of headaches at the population level in four LMICs and found that aspirin used to abort a headache would cost less than $100 per healthy life year gained, Lind, Steiner, and Chisholm, 2015. LTB argues that this potentially underestimates the effectiveness as it does not incorporate productivity gains. It hypothesizes that, from a societal perspective, aspirin for migraines may be a cost-saving intervention, Steiner and Stovner, 2019. More recently, LTB assisted neurologists in Georgia and successfully established the country's first self-sustaining headache service, i.e. it does not require government funding to keep running, which expanded to seven other services in the country, Jorgadze et al., 2018. Although this doesn't directly address the insufficient understanding of headache disorders among health professionals, it provided preliminary evidence demonstrating that the public were willing to pay to have their headaches assessed and treated. LTV envisages such services could strengthen the whole health system to manage headache disorders, through providing support and guidance to pharmacies, clinics, where most headaches should be managed, and hospitals. In Estonia, LTB helped deliver an educational intervention to nearly 300 GPs that led to a decrease in the number of investigations 32. They requested such as CT scans and blood tests, from 26% to 4%, and an increase in medication initiation, from 58% to just above 80%, one year after program delivery, Braskinski et al., 2016. However, the number of requested investigations climbed back up to 23% at two years after program delivery, Brakinski at al.com 2017. We have not evaluated LTB. Here are open questions we would want to address with further work, such as What is the best method to improve health professional practice? Should it be done in isolation, or part of more comprehensive educational reform? To what degree would specialist headache services be required if LMICs had more robust primary care services? What is the best method to strengthen the quality of care provided by primary health care services for headache disorders? We understand LTB is conducting a comprehensive analysis of the cost-effectiveness of structured headache services with the London School of Economics, Steiner and Stovner, 2019, which we anticipate will clarify some of our uncertainties. 4.2 Cluster Headaches Cluster headaches, 
CHs, are a rare form of headache with an estimated prevalence of 0.1 to 0.2%, affecting approximately 7 to 15 million people around the world, Eekbaum et al., 2006, Leon and May, 2020. They are discussed widely across the literature because of the intensity of the pain they inflict. Cluster headaches most commonly manifest as excruciating one-sided headaches that have very particular temporal patterns, May, 2005. The attacks last between 15 minutes to 3 hours, and can occur several times a day. Individuals with the episodic form have an attack every day for 6 to 12 weeks, after which they experience no attacks for up to 12 months. Individuals with the chronic form have a much shorter, or no, remission period. Since they were first documented, the intensity of pain has always been a salient feature of the condition 33, it is frequently referred to as the suicide headache, reports suggest between 30% to 60% of people contemplate suicide during an episode over a 12-month period 34. For the majority of cluster headache sufferers, some relief can be attained. High-flow oxygen and injectable triptans 35, are proven abortive treatments, see Table 3, May et al., 2018, Law, Dairy, and more, 2013, Bennett et al., 2015. Preventative agents can reduce headache frequency and disability to some degree for some individuals, May et al., 2018. Guidelines recommend verapamil, a calcium channel blocker, as a first-line preventative agent due to its efficacy and tolerability, NICE, 2012. A small double-blind placebo-controlled trial found that 80% of the patients that had verapamil had over a 50% reduction in headache frequency and abortive treatments, Leon et al., 2036. Table 3, Effective Treatment Options Available to Abort and Reduce Frequency of Attacks with Corresponding Trials. See here to access links in table. Similar to migraines, a significant bottleneck to reduce societal burden appears to be the recognition of cluster headaches by health professionals, Butcher et al., 2019. The mean time to diagnosis for patients in the UK was 2.6 years, with a patient on average seeing three family doctors before they received a diagnosis, Barra and Goadsby, 2004. Similarly, a survey across the US found that 42% of patients received a diagnosis only five years after the onset of disease, Clapper, Clapper, and Voss, 2000. It was commonly mistaken for trigeminal neuralgia, a chronic pain condition that affects the trigeminal nerve, sinusitis, inflammation of the sinuses, dental problems, or migraines, with reports of patients undergoing invasive procedures such as tooth extractions and intracranial surgeries in a desperate attempt to find much-needed relief, Butcher et al., 2020. Medication access is another barrier. In a large online survey that mainly received responses from those living in the UK, USA, and Canada, 51% of respondents had some difficulty in accessing oxygen, Pearson et al., 2019. In another survey of headache societies across 22 countries, primarily high-income countries, 50% reported that no reimbursement was available for oxygen therapy which can incur non-negligible out-of-pocket costs, Evers et al., 2017. Similarly, injectable triptans are relatively expensive, costing approximately $50 for two subcutaneous injections, and are not available in all LMICs, Steiner and Stovner, 2019. For 10 to 20% of CH sufferers, the available treatments are ineffective or contraindicated, May et al., 2018. Individuals living with CHs consistently report a diminished quality of life despite access to effective abortive agents, Jurgens et al., 2010. Multiple trials are underway to identify effective agents that could be used safely to treat refractory cluster headaches, May et al., 2018. Patient surveys and many anecdotal reports suggest the use of psilocybin and other psychedelics can abort and prevent an entire cycle of attacks, OPS, 
2020. Schindler and colleagues at Yale University are currently investigating the efficacy of psilocybin in a small randomized trial. If the hypothesized association holds, this could greatly improve the quality of life of individuals with cluster headaches, particularly if they are found to have a substantial preventative effect. The Organization for the Prevention of Intense Suffering, OPIS, has launched a campaign in Finland to legalize access to patients with cluster headaches, arguing that a lack of RCT evidence shouldn't disallow access to agents that could significantly improve an individual's life, OPIS, 2020. They are also looking to guide policymakers internationally on this issue. Further research is required to determine whether drug policy reform is a more cost-effective approach than improving access to currently legal treatments. Very little of the data we found on barriers originated from LMICs, though we expect equivalent barriers exist there. It would be helpful to gain a better understanding of the barriers in LMICs, in order to determine whether the main issue lies in delay of diagnosis or difficulty in treatment access. Tailored interventions then may look like better access to oxygen or triptans, educational programs for health professionals, construction of headache services, or an acceleration of current trials. See Table 4. 5. Low Back Pain Low back pain is the largest single contributor to years lived with disability globally, and is responsible for 60.1 million DAL Ys in 2015, Vo et al., 2017. Its prevalence is rising as the population ages, there has been a 54% increase in years lived with disability globally between 1990 and 2015, Vo et al., 2017. It is increasingly seen as a long-lasting condition of persistent or fluctuating pain of low to medium intensity, Kongstead et al., 2016. Most adults will experience back pain sometime in their life, Lemunier, LaBeouf, Ida and Gagey, 2012. The majority will spontaneously recover with a substantially lower level of pain after one year, Kongstead et al., 2016. The pain will persist in a small proportion, become disabling, and lead to substantial reductions in their ability to perform their work-related tasks and health-related quality of life, De Silva et al., 2017. This group of severe cases, 28%, constitute 77% of the overall burden of years lived with disability, Hartvigsen et al., 2018. The potential disabling nature of low back pain is particularly concerning in LMICs where social security is sparse, the consequences of low back pain in low- and middle-income countries are not well studied, Hartvigsen et al., 2018. In most cases of low back pain, the exact cause or source of the pain remains unknown and is therefore referred to as nonspecific low back pain, Hartvigsen et al., 2018. Structural abnormalities increase someone's risk of having back pain, but it is common to have the abnormality and not experience pain, Brinjikchi et al., 2015. Hartvigsen et al., 2018, identify multiple other risk factors, including lifestyle factors, increased body mass index, BMI, reduced physical activity and smoking, psychological factors, depression, anxiety, catastrophizing, an irrational belief that something is far worse than it really is, and fear avoidance beliefs, fear of pain leads to avoidance of activities and hypervigilance of pain sensations, Gatchel et al., 2016. Social factors, physically demanding occupation, low educational attainment, features of social insurance systems, for example schemes providing easy access to workforce compensation, Bartis et al., 2017. Similar factors contribute to the development of disabling low back pain. Pain catastrophizing and self-efficacy, belief in one's ability to influence events affecting one's life, are two important factors that increase someone's risk of developing disabling pain, Wortley et al., 2014a, Wortley et al., 2014b. Like headache disorders, there is a disconnect between recommended and actual practice, 
Foster et al., 2018. Many practitioners order unnecessary investigations, administer analgesics that may do more harm than good, and provide the wrong advice, Rosenberg et al., 2015, Buckbinder et al., 2009. There is also very little published analysis from LMICs, Foster et al., 2018. Unlike headache disorders, the recommended treatments are not particularly helpful. Anti-inflammatories have a small effect on pain intensity for acute and chronic back pain, Cho et al., 2016. Exercise-graded programs and psychological therapies are effective in trial settings, but the benefits are limited, NICE, 2016. There is no evidence to suggest self-management education, i.e. supporting patients to manage their acute pain independently, is effective when compared to sham for acute back pain, and limited when compared to usual care, NICE, 2016-37 Despite increasing popularity surrounding the use of cannabis for chronic pain, Early observational evidence found cannabinoid users experienced no reduction in pain severity or interference after four years of use, Campbell et al., 2018. There is also limited evidence to suggest preventative interventions reduce the incidence of back pain and disability. A recent meta-analysis, Stephens et al., 2017, examined multiple different preventative interventions including exercise, education, exercise plus education, back belts, shoe insoles and ergonomic equipment. They found two low-quality randomized controlled trials, RCTs, Bredo et al., 2001, Sukup et al., 2001, showing exercise plus education programs may reduce your risk of having an episode of low back pain by approximately 40%. The RCT also found that the intervention group had taken fewer sick days than the control group. The meta-analysis found no benefit for the other interventions, based on the limited and poor quality evidence that was available. Stephens et al., 2017. The main way to tackle the problem therefore seems to be through basic research. Given the large disease burden, the value of information from understanding the underlying mechanisms of pain and finding new, effective solutions is high. Gorsuch, 2012, highlights some future directions for chronic pain, relevant for low back pain as well as migraines, osteoarthritis, and other conditions. He looks to national funders and public-private partnerships to fund research, as well as to provide incentives to biotechnology companies at a time when large pharmaceutical companies are pulling out of drug development for brain disorders, including pain, due to perceived risk, and finally to philanthropists to fund high-risk, high-return projects that could go on to leverage larger funders. For example, Open Philanthropy has awarded grants for pain research. 6. What can be done to help? In this section, we offer some initial ideas for how individuals and organizations might be able to use their time and or donations to help with this problem. Before that, we provide a non-exhaustive list of considerations relevant to choose whether to prioritize this area. Considerations that would lead someone to relatively prioritize this problem. Valuing alleviating suffering more than increasing enjoyment. Valuing alleviating extreme suffering more than alleviating less intense forms of suffering. Valuing the additional information derived from working on this cause area. For example, if one thought research into pain, or how to alter healthcare systemic, would have useful applications elsewhere. Considerations that would lead someone to relatively underscore to underscore prioritize this problem. Valuing philanthropic programs or career paths with a stronger evidence base of effectiveness and or requiring shorter causal chains, for example funding the distributing of proven physical health treatments such as life-saving antimalarial bed nets 38. Valuing future generations and believing there are more effective ways to positively influence the very long-term future than having impact over the short-term, i.e. the next 100 years. Career paths. Grant-making at a foundation may be a promising way to work on this problem. For example, by providing research grants for, 
Impact evaluations of interventions like those described in this report work on metrics that could be used for this purpose or for novel drug research. Advocacy is another route. Individuals or organizations with a public platform could spend some of their time raising awareness of cluster headaches and migraines, particularly with medical professionals, or highlighting the often excessive regulations restricting access to opioids. The International Association for Hospice and Palliative Care offers a structured advocacy program to individuals through palliative care organizations with an overarching aim of improving access and quality of palliative care. Journalism, grassroots activism, working at think tanks, or in politics or policy are examples of careers within advocacy. Pursuing a career in research, such as in academia or research organizations, is another way to further our understanding of this area. For example, by addressing the questions listed below, or by working on understanding the underlying mechanisms that cause pain. Finally, it may be possible to work directly on pain at the organizations mentioned in this report. More generally, careers in global health and epidemiology, such as at international health organizations, for example WHO, or international nonprofits, for example Gates Foundation, would be a way to gain relevant skills and could be an indirect way to work on this problem. We recommend visiting 80,000 hours for more detailed advice on having an impactful career and to read profiles of several of the careers mentioned above. Volunteering or internships. Opis and Clusterbusters are looking for volunteers. Pallium India offers internships for students. Lifting the Burden is looking for volunteer translators. Donate. We have not extensively searched for or evaluated donation opportunities. From speaking to leaders of the organizations working to improve access to opioids in Table 2, the Walter Center for Global Palliative Care and Supportive Oncology, OPIS, and Pallium India, we understand the organizations are funding constrained and would be grateful for support. We have not tried to identify fundable entities working on the basic research that seems relevant for low back pain. We would be excited to see further work on evaluating the impact of such organizations but it is outside our current capacity to undertake it. Further research. Many open questions remain, as alluded to throughout the report. We think the following would be particularly valuable to explore. Further research on measuring the scale of pain that improves on our initial calculations in terms of Dow-wise. This could include a more thorough review of the relationship between pain and subjective well-being. How does pain relief compare to other interventions that improve subjective well-being? Do people adapt to some kinds of pain? What is the effect of extreme pain on subjective well-being? Given the relatively large number of cases worldwide, prevalence 0.1%, and the significant suffering it causes an individual, it would be helpful if future epidemiological studies estimated the burden and distribution of cluster headaches in Dalwise. This could make decision-makers and researchers more cognizant of its existence. Further analysis on tractability and cost-effectiveness of approaches described in this report, a how cost-effective are these interventions? As with any impact evaluation of organizations looking to influence policy, we expect this task to be difficult and the results uncertain, See this report from Founders Pledge into evaluating attempts to affect policy. Be how do different ethical viewpoints, such as suffering-focused ethics, change someone's prioritization of alleviating extreme pain? 39. What is the current state of research on novel pain agents? To what extent should this research be prioritized over improving access to existing treatments? Exploration of pain-related topics not included in this review, such as other conditions that cause pain, for example endometriosis, trigeminal neuralgia, fibromyalgia. 7. Concluding remarks. It is a tragedy that some suffer tremendously when this could be easily prevented. To some extent, 
The current state of affairs likely reflects the preferences of politicians and the public to cure diseases and avert deaths, rather than reduce pain which only improves the quality of lives. We hope we have shown that much can, in fact, be done to ease the burden. Further, we hope that this report acts as a springboard for further work both into how best to reduce worldwide pain and whether this problem is a top priority for improving global well-being. An assortment of further reading is provided below. 8. Learn more. Access to opioids. 2017 paper by the Lancet Commission on Global Access to Palliative Care and Pain Relief. The International Narcotics Control Board analysis of the unmet need of opioids for medical purposes, incorporating surveys involving member states. Disease Control Priorities Summary of the Barriers and Priority Solutions to Increase Opioid Availability for Palliative Care. Walter Center for Global Palliative Care's online course Increasing Patient Access to Pain Medicines Around the World, a Framework to Improve National Policies that Govern Drug Distribution. Headache Disorders. A Comprehensive Summary of the Societal Impact of Headache and the Measures Required to Reduce the Burden. Cost-Effectiveness Analysis of Interventions for Migraine in Four Low- and Middle-Income Countries the WHO's characterization of the barriers preventing adequate treatment of headache disorders. Disease Control Priorities Summary of the Barriers and Priority Solutions to Reduce the Burden of Headache Disorders. A Nature Narrative Literature Review Illustrating the Cause, Biology, Clinical Features and Treatment for Cluster Headaches. Effectiveness of Oxygen and Other Acute Treatments for Cluster Headache. Systematic Literature Review on the Delays in the Diagnosis and Misdiagnosis of Cluster Headache. OPI's policy paper on legalizing access to psilocybin. Low back pain. A Lancet review of the preventative and treatment options for low back pain. Nice guidelines, low back pain and sciatica in over 16s. References. Alva Stoffert, M.F., Ferreira, G.E., Sharma, S., Gutierrez Camacho, C., and Mar, C.G. 2020. A look into the challenges and complexities of managing low back pain in Mexico. Global Public Health, 1-11. to Barra, A. and Goadsby, P.J. 2004. Diagnostic Delays and Mismanagement in Cluster Headache. Acta Neurologica Scandinavica, 1093, 175-179. Vardis, S., Frederiksen, P., Bendix, T., and Burton, K. 2017. System Influences on Work Disability Due to Low Back Pain, an International Evidence Synthesis. Health Policy, 121-8-903-912. Bennett, M.H., French, C., Schnabel, A., Wajic, J., Kronka, P., and Weibel, S. 2015. Normobaric and Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy for the Treatment and Prevention of Migraine and Cluster Headache. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 12. Buckbinder, R., Underwood, M., Hartvigson, J., and Marr, C.G. 2020. The Lancet series Call to Action to Reduce Low Value Care for Low Back Pain, an update. Pain, 161-1, S57. Burish, M, Pearson, S, Shapiro, R, Yan, Y, and Shore, L 2019. Cluster headache is one of the most painful human conditions, epidemiology of cluster headache and probable cluster headache from a large international sample. Poster. Retrieved from it SCDS, US, 30C54 off 9A174-40C08-44F03837FF611FB hashtag page num equals 1. Braskinski, M, Haldry, S, Cals, M, RG, M, Sar, B, Niebeck, M, and Steiner, TJ2018. Structured Education to Improve Primary Care Management of Headache, How Long Do the Benefits Last? 
a follow-up observational study. European Journal of Neurology, 25-3, Braskinski, M., Haldry, S., Kals, M., Iothic, A., Kivazild, A., Purges, J., and Steiner, TJ 2016. Structured education can improve primary care management of headache, the first empirical evidence, from a controlled interventional study. The Journal of Headache and Pain, 17-1-24. W., Lewetmer, P.H., Comstock, B., Bresnahan, B.W., Chen, L.E., Deo, R.A., and Wald, J.T. 2015. Systematic Literature Review of Imaging Features of Spinal Degeneration in Asymptomatic Populations. American Journal of Neuroradiology, 364, 811-816. Butcher, A., Ahmed, F., Dicomitis, L., and Boland, J.W. 2019. Systematic Literature Review on the Delays in the Diagnosis and Misdiagnosis of Cluster Headache. Neurological Sciences, 41, 25-39. Butcher, A., Ahmed, F., Meta, Y., P. Malier, K., Goadsby, P., and Dicomitis, L. 2020. Perceptions, Experiences and Understandings of Cluster Headache Among GPs and Neurologists, a Qualitative Study. British Journal of General Practice. Campbell, G., Hall, W.D., Peacock, A., Linceris, N., Bruno, R., Lawrence, B., and Blythe, F. 2018. Effective Cannabis Use in People with Chronic Non-Cancer Pain Prescribed Opioids, Findings from a Four-Year Prospective Cohort Study. The Lancet Public Health, 37, E341-E350. Charles, a 2013. The Evolution of a Migraine Attack A Review of Recent Evidence. Headache, The Journal of Head and Face Pain, 53 413-419. Cho, R, Deo, R, Friedley, J, Skelly, A, Hashimoto, R, Weimer, M, and Grusing, S 2016. Non-invasive treatments for low back pain. Clark, D. 2007. From Margins to Center, a review of the history of palliative care in cancer. The Lancet Oncology, 85, 430-438. Cleary, J. Gelband, H., and Wagner, J. 2015. Cancer Pain Relief. Disease Control Priorities 3. Cleary, J., Powell, R.A., Munyan, G., Mwangi Powell, F.N., Lu Eureka, E., Keong, F., and Cherney, and I. 2013. Formulary Availability and Regulatory Barriers to Accessibility of Opioids for Cancer Pain in Africa, a report from the Global Opioid Policy Initiative, GOPI. Annals of Oncology, 24 supple underscore 11, Xi 14 Xi 23. Cleary, J.F. and Maurer, Emma 2018. Pain and Policy Studies Group, two decades of working to address regulatory barriers to improve opioid availability and accessibility around the world. Journal of Pain and Symptom Management, 55-2, S121-S134. Cleland, C.S. and Ryan, K.M. 1994. Pain Assessment, Global Use of the Brief Pain Inventory. Annals, Academy of Medicine, Singapore. Cohen, I.S., Burns, B. and Goadsby, P.J. 2009. High Flow Oxygen for Treatment of Cluster Headache, a Randomized Trial. JAMA, 302-22, Corneola, M. Versus, Steinen, M.N., Joe Swig, H., Small, N.R., Schaller, K., Hildebrandt, G., and Gauchy, O.P. 2016.
Correlation of pain, functional impairment, and health-related quality of life with radiological grading scales of lumbar degenerative disc disease. Acta Neurochirurgica, 158-3, 499 D. Raji, A. L. and Lambrou, G. 2020. Disability, Quality of Life, and Socioeconomic Burden of Cluster Headache, A Critical Review of Current Evidence and Future Perspectives. Headache, The Journal of Head and Face Pain, 64, 809-818. De Silva, T. Mills, K. Brown, B. T. Herbert, R. D. Marr, C. G., and Hancock, M. J. 2017. Risk of Recurrence of Low Back Pain, A Systematic Review Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy, 475, 305-313. Derry, C. J., Derry, S., and Moore, R. 2014. Sumatriptan, All Routes of Administration, for Acute Migraine Attacks in Adults Overview of Cochrane Reviews. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 5. Eekbaum, K., Svensson, D. A., Pedersen, and L., and Walden Lind, E. 2006. Lifetime Prevalence and Concordance Risk of Cluster Headache in the Swedish Twin Population. Neurology, 675, 798-803. Eekbaum, K., Monstad, I., Prasinski, A., Cole, J. A., Pilgrim, A. J., Noronha, D., and Sumatriptan Cluster Headache Study Group. 1993. Subcutaneous Sumatriptan in the Acute Treatment of Cluster Headache, a Dose Comparison Study. Acta Neurologica Scandinavica, 88 63-69. Emelson, a 2019a. Cluster Headache Frequency Follows a Long-Tail Distribution. EA Form. Emelson, a 2019b. Logarithmic Scales of Pleasure and Pain, Rating, Ranking, and Comparing Peak Experiences Suggest the Existence of Long Tails for Bliss and Suffering. EA Form. Evers, S., Rappaport, A., and International Headache Society. 2017. The Use of Oxygen in Cluster Headache Treatment Worldwide A Survey of the International Headache Society, IHS. Cephalalgia, 374, 396-398. Farrell, B. 1995. The Impact of Pain on Quality of Life. A Decade of Research. The Nursing Clinics of North America, 34, 609-624. Fadil, I., Lyons, G., and Payne, S. 2017. Barriers to, and Opportunities for, Palliative Care Development in the Eastern Mediterranean Region. The Lancet Oncology, 18-3, E176-E184. Foster, N.E., Anema, J.R., Cherkin, D., Cho, R., Cohen, S.P., Gross, D.P., and Turner, J.A. 2018. Prevention and Treatment of Low Back Pain, Evidence, Challenges, and Promising Directions. The Lancet, 391-10137, Fraser, B.A., Powell, R.A., Mwangi Powell, F.N., Nemisango, E., Hannon, B., Zimmerman, C., and Rodan, G. 2017. Palliative Care Development in Africa, Lessons from Uganda and Kenya. Journal of Global Oncology, 4, 1-10. Furlan, A. D., Harvey, A. M., and Chada, are 2020. Warning from Canada, Latin America, South Africa and India may face an opioid epidemic in the coming years. Journal of Global Health, 10-1. Jorgadze, G., Mania, M., Kokava, M., Jagnides, A., Mirvilashvili, 
E. Steiner, T.J., and Katsurava, Z2018. Implementation of Effective, Self-Sustaining Headache Services in the Republic of Georgia, Evaluation of Their Impact on Headache-Related Disability and Quality of Life of People with Headache. Cephalalgia, 38-4, Gulliford, M2020. Opioid Use, Chronic Pain and Deprivation. Eclinical Medicine, 21. Gidra, Versus, Munoz, P., Castillo, J., and Pasual, J. 2002. Quality of Life in Chronic Daily Headache, a Study in a General Population. Neurology, 58-7, Hartvigson, J., Hancock, M.J., Kongsted, A., Lou, Q., Ferreira, M.L., Genevi, S., and Smates, R.J. 2018. What Low Back Pain Is and Why We Need to Pay Attention. The Lancet, 391-10137, Horton, B.T. 1941. The Use of Histamine in the Treatment of Specific Types of Headaches. Journal of the American Medical Association, 116-5, Humphreys, K. 2017. Avoiding Globalization of the Prescription Opioid Epidemic. The Lancet, 390 437-439. INCB. 2015. Availability of Internationally Controlled Drugs, Ensuring Adequate Access for Medical and Scientific Purposes. James, S. L., Abate, D., Abate, K. H., Abay, S. M., Abafati, C., Abasi, N., and Abdalapur, A2018. Global, Regional, and National Incidents, Prevalence, and Years Lived with Disability for 354 Diseases and Injuries for 195 Countries and Territories, 1990-2017, A Systematic Analysis for the Global Burden of Disease Study 2017. The Lancet, 392-10159. 1789-1858. Jurgens, T.P., Gall, C., Lindworm, A., Dresler, T., P. Lech Haberman, Y., Schmidt-Wilkie, T., and Linish, E. 2011. Impairment in Episodic and Chronic Cluster Headache. Cephalalgia, 316, 671-682. Karshaglu, O., Topakoglu, H., Dickham, O., and Dickham, O. 2018. A Systematic Review of the Pain Scales in Adults, Which to Use. The American Journal of Emergency Medicine, 36-4, 707-714. Katsurava, Z., Mania, M., Lample, C., Herberhold, J., and Steiner, TJ 2018. Poor Medical Care for People with Migraine in Europe Evidence from the Eurolite Study. The Journal of Headache and Pain, 19-1-10. Kierty, Versus, Derry, S., Moore, R.A., and McQuay, H.J. 2010. Aspirin with or without an antiemetic for acute migraine headaches in adults. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 4. Clapper, J.A., Clapper, A., and Voss, T. 2000. The Misdiagnosis of Cluster Headache, a Nonclinic, Population-Based, Internet Survey. Headache, The Journal of Head and Face Pain, 49, 730-735. Null, F.M., Farmer, P.E., Krakauer, E.L., De Lima, L., Vaudelia, A., Quete, X.J., and Connor, S.R. 2017-A. Alleviating the Access Abyss in Palliative Care and Pain Relief, an Imperative of Universal Health Coverage, The Lancet Commission Report. The Lancet, 
391-10128, Nall FM, Farmer P, Krakauer L, Delima L, Bodilia A, Jankwate X, Areola Ornelis H, et al. 2017b. Technical Note and Data Appendix for Alleviating the Access Abyss in Palliative Care and Pain Relief, an Imperative of Universal Health Coverage, The Lancet Commission Report. Background Document. Miami, University of Miami Institute for Advanced Study of the Americas. Available at, Miami Edulance. Nall, F, Bodilia, A, Atun, R, Delima, L, and Rockbrook, L2019. Palliative Care, an Essential Facet of Universal Health Coverage. The Lancet Global Health, 711, E 1488. Kohler, PJ 1993. Prevalence of Headache in Tulps Observationes Medicae, 1641, with a description of cluster headache. Cephalalgia, 135, 318-320. Konstead, A, Kent, P, Axon, I, Downey, IS, and Dunn, KM 2016. What have we learned from 10 years of trajectory research in low back pain? BMC Musculoskeletal Disorders, 171, 1-11. Krakauer, E.L., Puete, X, Verguet, S, Areola Ornelis, H, Bodilia, A, Mendez, O, and Connor, S. 2017. Palliative Care and Pain Control. Law, S, Derry, S, and Moore, are a 2013. Triptans for Acute Cluster Headache. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 7. Lemunier, N, Labuff Ida, C, and Gagey, O 2012. The Natural Course of Low Back Pain, a Systematic Critical Literature Review. Chiropractic and Manual Therapies, 21, 33. Leon, M, D'Amico, D, Frediani, F, Moschiano, F, Grazi, L, Adonacio, A, and Bassone, G2000. Verapamil in the Prophylaxis of Episodic Cluster Headache, a double-blind study versus placebo. Neurology, 546, 1382-1385. Leon, M., and May, Aetz. 2020. Cluster Headache and Other Trigeminal Autonomic Cephalgias. Chom, Springer International Publishing. Lees, B.H., Ribble, R.S., and Wickremsen, M.N. 2019. International Funding for Mental Health, A Review of the Last Decade. International Health, 11.5, 361-369. Lind, M., Steiner, T.J., and Chisholm, D. 2015. Cost-Effectiveness Analysis of Interventions for Migraine in Four Low- and Middle-Income Countries. The Journal of Headache and Pain, 16-1-15. Lind, K., and Rossnagel, K. 2004. Propranolol for Migraine Prophylaxis. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 2. Lynch, M.E., Scott Flocker, D., Tanzer, P., and Sinclair, C. 2009. Research Funding for Pain in Canada. Pain Research and Management, 14. May, a 2005. Cluster Headache, Pathogenesis, Diagnosis, and Management. The Lancet, 366-9488, May, A., Schwett, T.J., Magus, D., Pozo Rosich, P., Evers, S., and Wang. SJ 2018. Cluster Headache. Nature Reviews Disease Primers, 411 1-17. Melzak, R. 1975. The McGill Pain Questionnaire, Major Properties and Scoring Methods. Pain, 
1377-299. Merriman, A., and Harding, R. 2010. Pain Control in the African Context, The Ugandan Introduction of Affordable Morphine to Relieve Suffering at the End of Life. Philosophy, Ethics, and Humanities in Medicine, 5-1-1-6. Messick, L. 2020. The Other Opioid Crisis, People in Poor Countries Can't Get the Pain Medication They Need. The Conversation. Mole, L., Ottavanger, P.B., Koopman, M., and Punt, C.J. A. 2016. The Prognostic Value of WHO Performance Status in Relation to Quality of Life in Advanced Colorectal Cancer Patients. European Journal of Cancer, 66, 138-143. MSH. 2015. International Medical Products Price Guide. Murray, S.A., Grant, E., Grant, A., and Kendall, M. 2003. Dying from Cancer in Developed and Developing Countries, Lessons from Two Qualitative Interview Studies of Patients and Their Carers. BMJ, 326-7385-368. NICE. 2012. Headaches, Diagnosis and Management of Headaches in Young People and Adults. NICE. 2016. Low Back Pain and Sciatica in Over-16s, Assessment and Management. NIH. 2018. Federal Pain Research Strategy Overview. Noseda, R., and Burstein, R. 2013. Migraine Pathophysiology, Anatomy of the Trigeminovascular Pathway and Associated Neurological Symptoms, Cortical Spreading Depression, Sensitization, and Modulation of Pain. Pain, 154, S44-S53. Organization for the Prevention of Intense Suffering, OPEACE. 2020. Legalizing Access to Psilocybin to End the Agony of Cluster Headaches, Policy Paper. Ogbelin Wazer, E.O., Makama, J.G., and Yusufu, LMD 2013. Evaluation of Knowledge of Cancer Pain Management Among Medical Practitioners in a Low-Resource Setting. Journal of Pain Research, 6, 71. Pearson, S.M., Burish, M.J., Shapiro, R.E., Yan, Y., and Shore, L.I. 2019. Effectiveness of Oxygen and Other Acute Treatments for Cluster Headache, Results from the Cluster Headache Questionnaire, an International Survey. Headache, the Journal of Head and Face Pain, 59 235-249. Perry, B.A., Westfall, A.O., Milani, E., Tucker, R., Ritchie, C., Sog, M.S., and Merlin, J.S. 2013. Characteristics of an Ambulatory Palliative Care Clinic for HIV-Infected Patients. Journal of Palliative Medicine, 16-8, Pinkerton, R. and Hardy, J.R. 2017. Opioid Addiction and Misuse in Adult and Adolescent Patients with Cancer. Internal Medicine Journal, 476, 632-636. Portenoy, R.K. and Lesage, P. 1999. Management of Cancer Pain. The Lancet, 353-9165, 1695 1700. Robbie, R., Derry, S., and Moore, R. 2013. Ibuprofen with or without an antiemetic for acute migraine headaches in adults. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 4. Rajagopal, M.R., Jaranson, D.E., and Gilson, A.M., 2001. Medical Use, Misuse, and Diversion of Opioids in India. The Lancet, 358-9276, Rajagopal, M.R., and Jaranson, D.E., 2007. India, Opioid Availability, an Update.
Journal of Pain and Symptom Management, 335, 615-622. Rajagopal, MR 2015. The Current Status of Palliative Care in India. Cancer Control, 22, 57-62. Rajagopal, MR, Kareem, S., and Booth, CM 2017. Oral Morphine Use in South India, a Population-Based Study. Journal of Global Oncology, 36, 720-727. Re, J.Y., Geralda, E., Nemisango, E., Luyurika, E., De Lima, L., Powell, R.A., and Centeno, C. 2018. An Analysis of Palliative Care Development in Africa, a ranking based on region-specific macroindicators. Journal of Pain and Symptom Management, 56-2, 230 230-238. Re, J.Y., Geralda, E., Torado, C. Blanco, S. Ayala, I. Nemisango, E. and Centeno, C. 2017. Palliative Care in Africa, a scoping review from 2005-16. The Lancet Oncology, 18-9, E522-E531. Rosen, T.D., and Fishman, R.S. 2012. Cluster Headache in the United States of America, Demographics, Clinical Characteristics, Triggers, Suicidality, and Personal Burden. Headache, the Journal of Head and Face Pain, 52 one 99-113. Rudd, R.A., Ali N., Zibel, J.E., and Gladden, R.M. 2016. Increases in Drug and Opioid Overdose Deaths, United States, 2000-2014. Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, 6450 and 51, 1378-1382. Pfeiffer, C. 2011. Morphine-Induced Relief of Dyspnea, what are the mechanisms? American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine, 184.8. Salisbury Offshar, E. 2014. Topiramate for the prophylaxis of episodic migraine in adults. American Family Physician, 91, 24-24. Salomon, J.A., Hogsma, J.A., Davis, A., De Nordhout, C.M., Pollander, S., Havilar, I.H., and Murray, C.J. 2015. Disability Weights for the Global Burden of Disease 2013 Study. The Lancet Global Health, 311, E712-E723. Sharkey, L2017. Increasing Access to Pain Relief in Developing Countries, an EA Perspective. EA Forum. Sharkey, L, Loring, V, Cowan, M, Riley, L, and Krakauer, EL2018. National Palliative Care Capacities Around the World, Results from the World Health Organization Non-Communicable Disease Country Capacity Survey. Palliative Medicine, 32-1, Singer, P. 2018. Prisoners of Pain. Project Syndicate. Sleeman, K.E., Debrito, M., Itkind, S., Ancoma, K., Guo, P., Higginson, A.J., and Harding, R. 2019. The Escalating Global Burden of Serious Health-Related Suffering. Projections to 2060 by World Regions, Age Groups, and Health Conditions. The Lancet Global Health, 77, E883-E892. Spencer, D.C., Krauss, R., Rousseau, T., Musa, M.Y.S., Browd, S., Maramba, E., and Mohammed, A2019. Palliative Care Guidelines for the Management of HIV-Infected People in South Africa. Southern African Journal of HIV Medicine. 21, 1-26. Steiner, T.J., Burbeck, G.L., Jensen, R., Katsurava, Z., 
Martelletti, P., and Stovner, L.J. 2010. Lifting the Burden, The First Seven Years. Steiner, T.J., and Stovner, L.J. Eds. 2019. Societal Impact of Headache, Burden, Costs, and Response. Springer Nature. Steiner, T.J., Stovner, L.J., Vo, T., Jensen, R., and Katsurava, Z. 2018. Migraine is first cause of disability in under 50s, will health politicians now take notice? Stovner, L.J., Nichols, E., Steiner, T.J., Abdallah, F., Abdelalam, A., Al-Radadi, R.M., and Odessa, D. 2018. Global, Regional, and National Burden of Migraine and Tension Type Headache, 1990-2016, A Systematic Analysis for the Global Burden of Disease Study 2016. The Lancet Neurology, 1711, 954-976. Wortley, M.M., Oigster, R., Held, U., Stir, J., Kaufmail, R., and Weezer, as 2014A. Catastrophizing, a prognostic factor for outcome in patients with low back pain, a systematic review. The Spine Journal, 1411, 2639-2657. VJ, D., and Monin, P. 2018. Poisonous for Social Innovation, The Genesis and Propagation of Community-Based Palliative Care in Kerala, India. Management, 214, 1329-1356. Vo, T, Abijobir, AA, Abate, KH, Abafati, C, Abbas, KM, Abdallah, F, and Aboyans, versus 2017. Global, Regional, and National Incidents, Prevalence, and years lived with disability for 328 diseases and injuries for 195 countries, 1990-2016, a systematic analysis for the global burden of disease study 2016. The Lancet, 390 1211-1259. Wortley, M.M., Rasmussen Barr, E., Weiser, S., Bachman, L.M., and Bruner, F. 2014b. The role of fear avoidance beliefs as a prognostic factor for outcome in patients with nonspecific low back pain, a systematic review. The Spine Journal, 145, 816-836. WHO. 2019. WHO Model Lists of Essential Medicines. WHO. 2011. Atlas of Headache Disorders and Resources in the World 2011. WHO. 2004. Atlas, Country Resources for Neurological Disorders 2004, Results of a Collaborative Study of the World Health Organization and the World Federation of Neurology. WHO. 2017. Atlas, Country Resources for Neurological Disorders 2017. WHO. 2016. Global Atlas of Palliative Care at the End of Life. Wiffen, PJ, We, B, Derry, S, Bell, RF, and more, are 2017. Opioids for Cancer Pain and Overview of Cochrane Reviews. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 7. Wiffen, PJ, We, B, and more, are 2016. Oral Morphine for Cancer Pain. Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, 4. Appendix 1, Pain Intensities and Effective Treatment. See here to access links and table. Appendix 2, Daily Estimates. Moderate severe pain that could be treated with opioids during terminal conditions. LC's seminal paper, Nal et al., 2017, quantifies the burden of serious health-related suffering associated with the need for palliative care and pain relief. Serious health-related suffering encompasses physical suffering, pain, shortness of breath, 
nausea and vomiting, and constipation, and psychological, anxiety, depression, confusion and dementia, suffering. The LC analyzed the 20 health conditions that cause most of the burden of serious health-related suffering. 49% of the total estimated days of serious health-related suffering are from cancer 40. LC estimated the total annual burden of serious health-related suffering days to be between 6 billion and 21 billion days, where the upper bound does not assume overlap, for example the types of suffering are experienced on separate days, and the lower bound assumes overlap, calculated by only accounting for the symptom experienced for the longest duration, Nall et al., 2017a, see panel 6. We used LC's lower bound serious health-related suffering days to approximate DAL-wise, given the global burden of disease generally calculates disease burden and health loss assuming symptom overlap. Our upper bound incorporates serious health-related suffering caused by moderate severe pain, mild pain and shortness of breath, 1.74 billion days or 4.77 million years, and the disability weight for terminal cancer, 0.57. However we recognize not all mild pain and shortness of breath would be best treated with opioids. Hence we only consider moderate severe pain, 0.36 billion days or 0.99 years, for our lower bound. Our choice of the disability weight could be contested, as not all serious health-related suffering moderate to severe pain days would be experienced by patients at the terminal stage, or have cancer. However, we felt it would be inappropriate to use a disability weight less than the migraine disability weight, 0.441, as we consider diseases causing moderate to severe pain and requiring opioids to be more severe. Further, our daily estimate would not be particularly sensitive to a disability weight between 0.441 and 0.56. Cluster headaches. To estimate the global DAL-wise for cluster headaches, we use the global DAL-wise for migraines as a reference point. To adjust for prevalence, we multiplied migraine DAL-wise, 47 million, by the ratio of the prevalence of cluster headaches, 0.1%, Equamet al, 2006, Leonin May, 2020, to migraines, 14%, Stovner et al., 2018, naively assuming that the active headache time period the demographic distribution and age distribution is equivalent for migraine and cluster headache sufferers. Thanks for listening to help us out with a nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.